Yeah, good job, Randell. So, hey, there is actually one last announcement, which is really more kind of catching y'all up. So yesterday, we had our first annual Vintage 242 Bass Fishing Tournament. Yeah, there's a couple, there's a pic, one of the pictures. Yeah, we had a great time. We braved the real fisherman, Lewis, braved the weather yesterday. And, uh, no, man, we had a great time yesterday. Yeah, here's some of the guys here. Uh, Kelly and Paul, and one boat on the right. Actually, uh, Paul just caught a three pound bass. I think, go ahead and go to the next one. I think you get to see it. Yeah, there he is holding it up, right, with Josh and, and Carl. And, uh, so we had a great time. Go to the next one. Yeah, here's, here, here, he's so proud of that fish. He was, he was in the first service. He's like, yeah, beaming like this, going like this, right? It's hilarious. But yeah, we had a great time. So Scott and his uncle Melvin, yeah, you can see the big tall guy in the middle. Actually, Melvin won the tournament yesterday, but he and Scott together, I think their best five fish yesterday weighed 19 pounds, which is about almost just one pound shy of a four pound average. And so yeah, had a great, great time and braved it and, and we'll do it again next year. I, I know you're all wondering, how did Steve do? I did not catch a fish. Yeah. I just want to thank God for teaching me a gift of humility yesterday. And, and uh, go back to the first picture you showed, the one where I'm holding it. Look how excited I am, guys, for, for them. I'm just excited for them, right? And, uh, yeah, so, man, yeah, and, and if I could have won, I would have. So, um, Anyway, no excited. Let me go ahead and invite Gerilyn to come up this morning. It's a real treat. We've been in this uh, series called um, Family Resolutions. You see it right here on the screen. Those are pictures in the background of family. And we, we've been saying, you know, Paul said once upon a time ago, he said, I've resolved to know nothing among you, Corinthians. I've resolved to know nothing among you except Christ crucified so that your faith would not rest on my own words, but on the power of Jesus, right? And, and so the idea is, he said, I, I made a resolution. I, I resolved in the moment, right, to, to know nothing among you except Christ crucified. And, and what he was saying is in the context of our, of our family, in the context of our family, I, I, re, I made this resolution, this decision that was Christ-centered about what was best for family. And so a couple of weeks ago, we, as Timothy began a conversation talking about our, our, our youth and talking about our children here at Vintage and this idea of coming alongside of them and being a blessing to them, investing into their lives and engaging a relationship. And this morning, we're going to talk about it in the context of our Vintage Village, the children that ultimately Gerilyn's responsible for and in leading. And we're going to talk about in the context, yes, and you'll hear more about this, and yes, in the context of your responsibility as a biological parent, but, but even maybe even more importantly, in the context of our conversation, the responsibility we have as spiritual family. And the investment that, once you hear this, that, that God has given opportunity and maybe even a responsibility is probably a better word to be really intentional, no matter if you are a youth, no matter if you are 80 years old, but to say, God, how are you calling me to invest into this younger generation? And I want to begin by telling you a story of, of Mr. Kimball. Now, Mr. Kimball was a Sunday school teacher at his church in 1819 in Boston. He had the young adults. So I don't know if that represented youth, probably represented youth in general and young adults, but, but it was his responsibility to lead this Sunday school class. In 1819, Sunday school was a really, really big deal and, and it functioned in this high level like our small groups do today or other churches that still have Sunday school. But it's this primary time of discipleship and of leading and developing these young adults. And there was one specific young man in his group who was not a Christian. And he said, in the context of his, of his, of this writing, he said, as I, 
as I looked at this young man who was 18 years old, he said, I felt the weight of responsibility of this young man not knowing Jesus. And not like the weight of like, oh, the weight of the world. No, like the weight of God, this calling of God, right? This, this, this urging, really is a better word, this urging of God's love to lead this young man to Jesus. So he just began to pray for him and continued to pray for him. And he, and I would say that in this season, this young adult was the most important person in his life. And so fast forward one Saturday afternoon, one of those Saturdays that we love, we have nothing to do. He wakes up with the weight of God on him saying, today is the day. Go share Jesus with him. So he said, I was going to pray, and, and I knew he was at work, and so I, I prayed and said, all right, time to go. And I got there, and like any of us in that moment, what happens? You get nervous on the way. Oh, all right? Mr. Cooper said, I got nervous along the way. Like, oh, my gosh, what if I, what if I interrupt him? And you know, the, the, all those things you say. So I was beginning to, God, he said, I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit saying, this is the moment. So he opened the door. He said, I opened the door with a great resolve, saw him in the back and just made my way, put my hand on his shoulder. And he shared two things with him. I thought these were both so great. He said, I shared the love of Jesus with him. I said, this, hey, Jesus loves you. But then I shared with him the responsibility that he had to respond by loving Jesus in return with his entire life. He said, and the young man just smiled. As if he was just waiting for someone, and he said yes to Jesus. The next day, the young man said, he told the story, he said, I woke up. He said, I went outside and began to walk. He said, I looked up and I realized this, the sun seemed to be shining brighter than it had ever shown before. He said, for the first time in life, I, I heard birds chirping and I, I just fell in love with the birds because I recognized God created it. It was his creation and I just loved God and everything that he created. You see, when I think about Vintage 242 and I think about this involvement that we have, an investment we have into the life of, of our children, I, I think about the Mr. Kimballs of the world because that's really what every single one of us are in the context of the family of God that we are involved with here at Vintage. It's always so interesting to me to think that biblically speaking, listen, I want you to hear this because you may not agree with me. I think as you've been trained and taught in church, I think you naturally don't believe this, and I don't think you express it, but it's this biblical conviction that in Scripture, your biological family is equivalent to the spiritual family that you're involved with. That's why church consumerism of the 20th century of going to a church and kind of going and taking for a season and taking for a season is kind of doing this like rotation around is not God's heart because he says, I want you to be invested into your spiritual family. I'm looking to make you into Mr. Kimball's and to make a difference in a young person's life. Maybe like the young person here whose name was D.L. Moody. If you know anything about church history, you know that arguably D.L. Moody was the most influential Christian leader of the 1800s. Because of his influence, millions of people have gone, have come to know Christ. Because of his influence, 
Probably hundreds of thousands of people have gone into full-time ministry. Josh Cox, one of our youth who left, now is in college, goes to D.L. Moody Institute. His is out in, in Washington. There's one in Chicago, right? Still today influencing young adults. His influence, D.L. Moody, still being felt because Mr. Kimball said, I don't care if he's not my son. I don't care if I'm not biologically invested into his life. I feel the spiritual conviction because he is my spiritual brother, my spiritual son, and I will give the best of my energies to him. It's the language of Hebrews chapter 2. Let's look on the screen with me as I read it along with you. It says this, both the one who makes people holy, we know that is God, right? It's not your wife, men, right? But the one who makes you holy and those who are made holy, that you are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So you got to recognize that family is not a metaphor for church. It is a descriptor. We are a family. God the Father, Jesus our brother, and you are brothers and sisters to one another. You have primary influence on your biological family but you have just the same amount of influence in the lives of the people that were around here at Vintage, our youth. Everybody look over here at our youth. You get just kind of like this and say, hey, right? Look over here, right? These are our youth. They're like, I don't want to do that. You're weird, right? <laughs> and back there are our children. And let me just say this right here and back here, the D.L. Moody's of the world. And guess what you get to be? Guess what you have a call to be? Guess what you have a responsibility to be? The Mr. Kimball's. And so with that, I invited Gerilyn to come and share this morning, right? I want to, and as she shares, I've invited her to come because I recognize a lot of you, you had your children back there and you don't really know Gerilyn's story, right? So I think it's going to be important, one, this morning is you get to hear her story because when she talks about her story, part of her story involves church coming alongside of her, right? She gets in the idea of even church and her biological coming alongside of her in the beginning and leading, leading her to Jesus. And then you get to see the church coming alongside of her. Then you get to see the passion that oozes from her. She talks about vision for children, and then she gets to come in and lovingly invite you to this responsibility to influence. So with that, Gerilyn, I want you to take a moment. This is Gerilyn. Say, hey, Gerilyn. Right? And so take a moment and just kind of share with us your story this morning so we can get to know you just a little bit better. Um, yes, I am so excited to be here because I get to just brag on our God and just how awesome he is, and um, that, that's like my favorite thing to do. And um, I appreciate you giving me the, the time to do this. Um, it's really special. And I'll just tell you a little bit about me. Um, I know we've been talking a lot about family over this last series. And um, it's so neat. I have one older sister. She's eight and a half years older than I am. I'm the baby. Um, and my parents just love Jesus so much. They are committed believers. Uh, my dad actually was... Uh, a part-time worship leader at numerous different churches, actually mission churches. And then after they would grow to a point where they needed someone full-time, he would leave and go to another mission church. You know, about the time we were really settled and loving it, and he'd go, guess what? God's calling us to leave. And i go, <laughs> but um, I always had a great attitude about that as a youth. But um, anyway, um, it ends up that they were just amazing. And, and when I was little, um, our family... 
Christ was always so present. The Lord was the most important thing. It was the foundation of everything that went on in our family. And, and so was the church. Everything that we did, the people that were there, the relationships that we had, that was kind of the foundation for us. And, and I was in church a lot as a staff member's kid. Your kids can verify yeah. that happens. Um, and, and so I had learned so many things, even at a young age, about the Lord, about the Bible. But looking at my sister and my parents, I very quickly realized that they had a special relationship with the Lord that I didn't have yet. And so at a very young age, I actually felt the need to to commit my entire life to Christ, which is really kind of cool. That's my testimony. Some people's testimony, you know, I was in a ditch and I was, you know, I, I didn't have that experience. My testimony is God blessed me with a family that showed me Christ in an early age. And it's hard for me to even think of a time where he wasn't closer than my breath, which is just amazing to me. So many people poured into my life along the way. I grew up, was so excited about what God was going to do with my life, didn't know what that was exactly. Um, what most of y'all don't know, um, most of y'all do know that I have an amazing husband. Do y'all know my husband? Right there. Oh, he's, oh, he's in here. I didn't know you were in here. Okay. Um, <laughs> Now I, have to man right <laughs> now I have to watch what I say. Uh, no, this, um, this is my husband, um, and he's amazing, and God has blessed us. We have um, six children. Um, I actually have a son-in-law also, but he had three by birth, and I had three by birth, and then we got married, so then I have three by choice, and he has three by choice, so we have six altogether. Um, and that's really cool, and most of y'all know that. You've seen him around, and... And know that we're connected. Um, what most of you don't know is, is that I was married for 17 and a half years prior. Um, and that marriage isn't exactly the marriage I have now. It wasn't at all the marriage I have now. Um, I grew up um, wanting God's best. I uh, found someone that said that they were a believer and had checked that box. I fell in love with them and got married. And very shortly after I was married, I found out that he was a very violent, angry person. And there was a lot of verbal abuse and a lot of emotional abuse and a lot of tearing up of stuff. And I continued to pray and say, God, what do you want? And uh, my idea was... Of course, he told me, as happens sometimes, that the only reason he was angry and did those things was because of the things that I was doing wrong. And so I, I tried so hard, you know, if I kept the house clean enough and if I prayed enough and if I was patient enough and if I kept the kids quiet enough and all these things, then it would be okay. But it wasn't. It wasn't enough. And so as I went through that time, I continued to pray and say, God, what is it you want from me? And finally, um, I had three children. I was involved in ministry. I thought that I had always been the go-between, protecting my children pretty well from it. And it ends up that after 17 and a half years, one night he violently assaulted me. And I took my children, 12, 8, and a baby. And I took a diaper bag and I left. 
And at that time, I was like, this is going to be awesome. Because that's kind of my nature. Okay, let's see. Let's see what awesome is going to happen from this. I know something good is coming. Because my thought was, it's finally bad enough. I've had to leave. All the years of begging to go to counseling and trying so hard. This is bad enough that he's going to repent, realize that he needs some help. And then we're going to be on Trinity Broadcast. And look at what happened. We were, you know, this awful thing. And he's going to say, yes, and God totally transformed my life, which God could have. But my ex-husband wasn't willing for that to happen. And so I found myself with three children with not a whole lot else and saying, God, what now? Now, I had that foundation and I found that God was with me just as much, if not more, in the good times. He was with me even more in the times that were tough. And I remember so clearly, um, I had been threatened if I didn't go home and didn't take the children home. And so we were in hiding, actually, and, and staying somewhere. And we were at somebody's house that they were selling. I didn't even know these people, but we were staying there. And I was on a used mattress, and I was giving Samantha a bottle. My two older kids were in the floor in a sleeping bag. And I had come to the point Anybody ever been to the point, God, you say you'll never give me more than I can handle, but I just don't know what's what's next. So I was there, and I was giving her the bottle, and I was thinking about the mistakes I had made and the trust that I had put in someone that I should not have put in, and did I do enough to protect my children, and what was going on, and all of those things. And suddenly, as tears are rolling, my son says, Mom, you know, I just know God is going to find a way through this for us somehow. Before things got better, actually, I didn't think they could get much worse, but I found out because once my children felt safe, then they disclosed to me that they had been abused by my husband physically and had even... Even He had even been inappropriate with them. My life, what I thought was my life, was gone. But one thing remained. My God is an awesome, faithful God. And those foundations that had been laid in, the, in my life and in the lives of my children remained. They remained. Can I talk about the church? I've got to tell you all what happened in the church. And it's really cool because there are a couple of people actually that are in here that were actually around at this time to help encourage my children. Because, like I said, when we left, all I wanted was my children and their safety. And so we left everything. So suddenly, as I began to let people know when I found out we weren't going to be on Trinity, <laughs> this wasn't going to work out. Because at first I tried not to, like, tell a whole lot of people because if there was a chance for reconciliation, I wanted that to be able to take place without it being difficult. So I told a few people and then a few more people. And as we found out, and it got really bad, more and more people knew. The church family became literally the hands and feet of Christ in the lives, not only my life, but particularly the lives of my children. 
Not only did I have things like pots and pans that just showed up out of the clear blue sky, but people began to invest in ways not only praying, not only little financial things, not only helping with school clothes, but I'm talking about things like people deciding that they were going to go and take my son fishing. Somebody helped him make one of those little derby cars, you know, out of wood. You know, Well, here I am, you know, I, that is not my thing. Can you, can you kind of pick up on that? And, and God sent someone to spend, I don't know how many Saturdays, making one of those little wooden derby cars. We had people that came that talked to the landlord and then painted my daughter's bedroom for her in the rental house when we landed there, just to show love. The hands and feet of Christ, Jesus with skin on. Those people invested in my children's lives. And Samantha was a baby. She doesn't remember, but she knows people now that have always been in her life seemingly. And the cool thing is, most of those people that invested in the lives of my older two children are still present in their lives today. And they have been used in such a mighty way that my daughter, who had to go in and go through all this stuff with DFACs and everything, she now is actually a case manager with DFACs. And my son is graduating in May, and he's going into youth ministry. God's good. And it came about by his people, his people, being family when we needed it so desperately. Supporting us, encouraging us, and investing, investing that love in us. That's awesome. And I think that's, and I love that, that, that part where just for the, um, obviously of God's faithfulness, and I love that God expressed in his faithfulness to the church, and I think that's just a beautiful thing. I think that's the thing for you that, you know, obviously seeing the hands and feet of Jesus is so powerful. And so, obviously, as we've talked, like I know that, um, obviously, you had a call to ministry before that moment, but then in that, there's a moment of the, the family coming alongside of you and blessing your family. It probably shaped and even I began to shape even maybe some of the vision and dreams you had for ministry. But talk about for a moment, just so everyone can hear, just this call to ministry that you have. And then talk about it specifically in the context of what you see happening at Vintage. Absolutely. Um, if, as you go through Scripture and as you read, and, and especially in the Gospels, you just see so clearly so many times Jesus has a special place in his heart for the children. And I've often said so often um, when we come to church, there's so much going on back and forth, but most likely Jesus would have been in the village. I, I really feel that way a lot of the times. He just has such a special love and desire for them, a very special place for them. And I, I have always felt that it was so cool that God called me to be able to share with them. That it's just that's so amazing because he loves them so much, and yet he gives us the opportunity to share his love with them. He entrusts us with that. And as we look at it, um, one of the reasons I love the village is because that the people that work in the village, the people that are a part of our vintage family, they get it so clearly. They so understand what it is 
to serve and be the hands and feet of Christ to these children. Whether it's because, you know, when we're engaged so much with FaithBridge, we'll have children that come in, and sometimes they have only been removed from their homes for like 48 hours. And so you have this little tiny person who has been, you know, everything has changed for them. They're in a new environment, and then suddenly they're in a new environment here. And to have workers that are like, you know what, that's okay. I am happy to hold that crying child until they're calm enough to understand that we love them. For them to feel that security, to have that patience and that understanding. And, and, and then for them to be willing to do things like, um, oh, I want to share a couple of stories. I've got so much to share. Yeah, I have, um, we have a man that works in our ministry that is so cool. Y'all would be so proud of him. He had a couple of girls that are, they are 10-ish, 11-ish, and they love to read and love to read a certain series of books. And it ends up that when he found that out, he's gone and started reading these middle grade books. Now, you might say, well, that's kind of odd. Yeah, it is. The reason he did that is because it's a connection point with those children. So that then they literally will run from the car when they see him so that they can talk to him about that. And he has invested in their lives in that way. That is so cool. That is so awesome. We have people who will just sit with children and just spend time with them asking them about their week. And then taking the time to pray with them. They get it that yes... The leaders back there do give biblical instruction, but also they connect personally with them on a personal level. And it is an important responsibility. And we do have people that have the primary responsibility of preparing and teaching. But also, I want to read um, the verse. I know y'all been going over it, but I would like to read it, and I really like it in this translation. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And I know y'all have gone through this um, passage a good bit. And, of course, we always talk about, you know, loving the Lord with everything that you have. But I thought it was so cool when it talks about how we are to commit ourselves wholeheartedly and then repeat them again and again, teaching and instructing the children. Because the cool thing here is, of course, parents, biological parents, are they have the primary responsibility, right? We always say it's your responsibility, and it is. That is a primary thing because you are your child's spiritual superhero, whether you know it or not. But here, he doesn't say... Listen, O parents. He says, listen, O Israel, which means he's talking to the entire faith family, the entire faith community. So that's all of us, all of us who are a part of this family of faith. He's telling us that we all have a responsibility to share, to repeat over and over to our kids about the goodness of our God, about his commands, about the plan that he has for us to have the very best life possible and to share his love, that's a responsibility of everyone within the church family. That's awesome. So I think in that, why don't you take a moment, because I think as we 
obviously we look and there are things that we desire for vintage. There are things that Timothy has to have these dreams for youth and Scott Adult Ministries, Randall in the context of mission and outreach. And so I would love for a moment just to talk about kind of big picture vision of what you, not just a vision for what you look for at Vintage 242 Church and then kind of big picture, but then kind of bring it home practically speaking, of what that looks like and how we get to be the Mr. Kimball's, right, the Mrs. Kimball's, uh, investing into our children. So take a moment, kind of the picture, big picture, and then kind of bring it back home to the practicals of what that can look like for us. We have some real easy practical steps to, to take to move into that. There's... Um there are so many things that are going on in the area of, of children's ministry, like all over the world, and there are so many resources and stuff. And we talk about vision, and, and especially with us looking at where God has blessed us and where we are right now and thinking about future facilities of, of, of a place where our entire community can really be ministered to and transformed. And so, you know, you always think about those things when you think about vision and dreams. And, and yes, that would be awesome, you know, to have a, a place where the when the kids worship, it's really set up just for them to do that. And outside areas for recreation, to invite their friends to go to, and hiking trails and you know, art studios and all these things. And you think, oh, that's so awesome. That would be so great. That would be such a wonderful way. And it would. And I believe that God will bless us with those facilities. However, the most important thing I really believe is for us as a church family to begin to encourage our children to help them to see Jesus, to help them in their spiritual walk, to take a step forward wherever they are. For those foundations to be laid so that as they grow and as they learn, they will always have that to fall back on and always be able to know that Christ is there with them in the midst of that. To help them to be able to bypass some of those pitfalls that some of us have gone through. And a lot of that happens, and we talk about this in the village, about how we don't want to just speak truth over the kids, but we also need them to feel that in a personal way. Because as you know, you hear somebody speak, and you may listen to them, but when you really know them and they're speaking that directly to you, how much more of an impact that makes. And as we see in Scripture, Jesus so often, yes, he talked to large crowds, but also so often it was a small group, and even a lot of times one-on-one. And so as we use that as our model of how really to become invested in the lives of these kids and then have them to invest and, and have their faith put where it needs to be, having our entire church family embrace them as family and for us all to take responsibility for that in, in big ways, but also in small ways. Sometimes it's easy for us to look at big, like, I'm going to be there every Sunday morning at this, you know, check that box. But I'm talking more of relationally. See, as we invest individually in kids, we can change their world. Suddenly they have someone to listen to them. They have someone to encourage them. So for me, 
to see people involved in, in worship with children, to be involved in fellowship with children, to be involved in instruction with children. But those little things so that when they come here, it's their favorite place in the whole world because that's where I go and people love me and encourage me. It's that as much as anything. It's a vision of them being trained up, coming to know Christ, becoming a disciple, a Christ follower, so that they can change not only their family and transform that, but their community, and then truly change the world, just like Moody did. And there are so many ways that that you can get involved. Honestly, if you can breathe and smile, we can use you in children's ministry. Yeah, you can do it. Um, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being serious in that um, we, right now, we can use extra people just to stand at the check-in desk and smile and help parents as they're trying to check in, as they're juggling a child in a diaper bag and a toddler and trying to do everything, to smile and to help grab a diaper bag. Literally, that is a need. That is a way that you can invest. We need people that will come and spend the first portion of our time and every age group because uh, all of the all of all of you big people, uh, all of you adults, you don't all get here at the same time. Did you know sometimes they're late? What? What? It's true. And so if we start an activity or a game or a teaching or something, if we start it like right at 11 o'clock, then the kids come in, they're like, I didn't get to do that. I missed that. Blah, blah, blah. And so we have to get, we have to have a buffer time, okay, even before we start worship. And so what we do is we have games and activities that they do, and they're called coming in activities. <laughs> That's the professional term for it. Coming in activities. We do it as they're coming in. Um, but what we do during that time then is we just spend time hanging out with kids. Showing them we care about them, listening to them. Sometimes they tell us jokes. Most of them we can repeat. It's, but it's just a really awesome time for us to be able to share with them, them to be able to share with us. It's sometimes it's as simple as sitting and playing with Play-Doh with a child, coloring with them, tossing a bean bag, or tapping a balloon. But we literally need people to do that because we can do large group settings very easily with a small number of people. But as we continue to grow and as we really want to impact them, we need to break them down into smaller and smaller groups. And we have to have adults to do that. Adults and even youth to a certain extent do pretty well. Like, well, break into a small group and talk about whatever it is. You can't do that with 17 second grade boys, half of which have ADHD. It doesn't work. You have to have an adult there. So um, literally we need people just to go and hang out with kids. We also need people to help with events. In just a few weeks, we're going to have a glow hunt. How cool is that? We need people to literally help make eggs that glow in the dark so that we can share the love of Jesus and how he's the light of the world at Easter time. All of these things, do we have opportunities to lead and teach and disciple? Absolutely. But you have an opportunity wherever you are just to jump in. You can sign up for a month to help. Help rock a baby for a month. You can actually sign up. We changed our sign-up genius, which we'll put the link out in our next um, 
Vintage Weekly, you actually can sign up by the week now to make it easier for you to jump in wherever you're comfortable. We also, as we dream, as we continue to have people involved, we would love to have people to come and help us with worship, to help us with art. How cool is it to do worship arts with kids? To help us with drama. We go to camp. We take children to camp, third, fourth, and fifth grade children to camp in the summer. We need people that will just invest in the lives of kids. It makes all the difference in the world. The, the guy that I uh, told you about that was reading the middle school books, he came, uh, he told me this week, the day before yesterday, that he was talking with those same kids that he was reading the books for to And he said, you will not believe the change in their attitude and the seriousness when they're talking about the Lord and how they know him. And they said that they believe that it's time for them to publicly tell people that they are a Christ follower. It's those investments that just pay off tenfold. That's right. I love that. So with that in mind, so Gerilyn's going to be outside with her team after service. And. And, 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 t- and be able to talk to you about more of these practical ways to get involved. So let me just say this. It's really interesting. And this is something I'll say that Gerilyn maybe wouldn't feel comfortable saying, but I feel very comfortable saying this as it relates to this kind of being shepherd and leader over vintage. One of the great misnomers about children's ministry and working with children is people say, well, I have to have a calling to do that. And you may have to, maybe a calling, and you can have a calling to do that as a full-time gig, and even to come back and give primary energies and time. But the word that we use in talking about children's ministry is that if you are a, if you are part of the family, no matter how old you are, you have a responsibility to invest into our children and to take time, literally to sign up for weeks back here. Like a lot, you're like, well, I've already done my service back there years ago. Well. If you're still breathing, then you still have a responsibility because they're still your children, because you're still the Mr. and Mrs. Kimballs of the world. And so my saying, go sign up for six months, two, two services a day, you know, every Sunday. No, I'm just saying, go pick the weeks that work for you to go love on and invest into our children because they will be telling and talking about you and telling your stories. I mean, how many of you, so I'm going to pick on Bill Stevens for a second, but I want to, so this is Bill. Bill, raise your hand. Bill's a great man. I love Bill and Rosemary, right? Here's Bill. How many have ever seen Bill play the invisible throw a kid in the air game? Put your hand up in the air. Right? You ever seen Bill play the invisible throw a kid? Like, and he gets like hyper animated. It's like Bill comes in. He's always so holy and so reverent. Man, you get a kid around him. He's like, what's going on? Right. And so he gets in. He plays this game. And, and the kids I mean, I've never seen kids laugh so hard in my life. Rosemary sits there and goes like this. Right. Because she just is laughing, but she loves it. Right. And then, you know, what happens later is then then and then the kids see Bill as he's just going after Jesus in worship. And they see him praying for people and they see him get a serious face. He's he's just letting people know how much he loves them. You know what happens? They have funny, crazy Mr. Bill and they're just looking at him going, man, there's something different about him. And what I want you to hear me say is 
we have the opportunities for you to intentionally invest, like this story of, of, of Robert Cabrera, I'll say his name, who's coming alongside and reading these books that middle schoolers are reading, right? Or elementary age, however old they are. He's coming alongside and reading these books, and he's intentionally, Bill's coming alongside just when he sees them in the hallway, and he's loving on kids, influencing them. And I want you to hear me say this. As we go into ministry time, so Harvest, you can go ahead and come forward. We're going to have time of ministry in a second, but the thing that I want us to, and this is what I want you to, I want you to hear me say this. I want you now to kind of, I want you to still be thinking, children, I want you to be thinking about your life. You are a person of dynamic and overwhelming influence everywhere that you go. With children, with our youth, with me, you're an influencer. And the reality for each of you, I just see Erin Hands right here. Erin works every week with our children and others like her. Like they're coming along doing and she's influencing. She had someone say the other day to her, will you be my church mom because my mom's not coming to church? influence and we're we're asking that you would just simply own the reality that the voice that you hear that tells you you don't that tells you that you're not able that says you're not capable that you're not worthy is not Jesus because if you know Jesus then you have influence because the Holy Spirit of the living God resides in you Wherever you go, whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, you have influence. Whether it's in a child's life, a youth life, or the people that you're around every day. I could just sit here and tell stories from this past week of people telling me the things that God did. I had one person, I just got to say this. She said, I drove up next to somebody, Steve, and I heard God say, this person wants to commit suicide. She said, I couldn't do anything. I'm like, I don't know what to do, God. And so I began to pray, and God said, you need to talk to her. I talked to the lady and said, I feel like God wants you to know that there is, that he has not forgotten you. And the lady's like, oh, my gosh, you have no idea what's going on. They talked, 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 talked. So then they looked at her and said, but what did God tell you exactly when you first saw me? She's like, oh, I don't want to. She said, God told me that you were contemplating suicide. And she goes, for the past two months. We have influence. If we will just pay attention, we will listen and we will be intentional. We'll be Mr. Kimball's, Mrs. Kimball's wherever we go. Hey, Jerry, I want you to come down here. We're going to, and then Rick, come on up. We're going to pray for them. Because you want you come to. Won't you come to? You're part of the fam. You're one of the six. And we just want to pray. Well, I just gave one stool, but you can sit there and they can gather around. We're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for them, for the Winther family. So if you want to come gather around them real quick. And uh, we're just going to pray that God would move in their lives, that God would influence through them, that God would empower them, that God would reach into their lives and move. And then we're going to pray for one other couple here in a second. So let's gather around. Let's gather around. You can pray from where you are, too. It's great. And also sit there where you are and pray. So.
I'm just going to count to three. When I get done counting to three, you're just all going to begin to pray, whether out loud or silently. If you're sitting in the chair, if you're comfortable, I'll just invite you to put your hand up like this. It's kind of so the Holy Spirit can, man, it has a direction to go, right? No, seriously, this is kind of a lesser. And so, so on three, just begin to pray. One, two, three. you and thank you for the Winther family. Father, we thank you just for the way that you are moving in them and through them. And Lord, I'm asking today, Jesus, that you would rekindle a passion for Jesus that be like D.L. Moody, saying, I felt like the sun was shining brighter. I felt like the birds were chirping louder because I'm so in love with Jesus and he's so in love with me. Would you awaken them to the love of Jesus? I pray, Father, for the tension, for tension, for issues of, of turmoil, God, that come against them every day, like it comes against us, like everybody else. But I, I pray in those things, those things that they can, they, that they feel. I pray, God, that you would bring breakthrough. I pray that you would bring restoration in Jesus' name. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bring an overwhelming sense of redemption to every area of their life. I pray, Father, that you would set them free emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, and physically, God. That you bring restoration, that you would bring healing, that you would bring breakthrough in every area of their life. And God, I pray that you would continue to awaken vision and passion in them for, for ministry. And God, I pray for, for Rick and Gerald in particular. God, I pray that you would strengthen their marriage that you would cause them to enjoy each other even more every day god we love you we pray this in your name amen amen so as you're going back brian and adrian y'all up here did y'all come forward where'd y'all go So they're getting ready to move, and I just told them last week they're getting ready to move to Colorado. And so some of y'all can stay up here, and so we're just going to pray for them real quick as they go. And even if you don't know them, you can still pray. Yeah, this is their last week. Yeah, come right here. So let's get a few people around them just to pray for them. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to y'all just lay hands on them. I'm going to pray for them. We're going to go into some time of ministry for everybody else. But Father, we just pray for them, God, as they go. And Lord, I, I know Jesus. There's a level of sadness and leaving here but there's a level of excitement and going and we just pray jesus that every fear father every concern every worry jesus that you would speak into those that you would bring peace god of wondering who their community is going to be and what their church is going to be and how are we going to transition i pray father that you would just bless them we pray father that they would rest in the confidence and the knowledge that we love them that we're for them and we support them and as they go jesus that you would bless them we pray father you bless them as they leave i pray that you would bless them as as they arrive and i pray father god moving forward lord that all they would know was the riches of your blessing being poured out upon them, Jesus. I pray that you would bless the move. I pray that you would bless their communication, Jesus.
Jesus in the move. That's always hard. And God, we do pray for the first week, the first month, the first three months, six months and a year, God, that it would just be a season of grace poured out, God. Bless them, Lord, and we will miss them. But we love them, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, we invite ministry teams to come forward. So we're officially done with our service for this morning. So if you need to go, you can do that. But we're going to take a time to stay and pray. And here's what I'm asking in that time of prayer. I'm just simply asking that that you would listen. I know we talked about children this morning in your life. That didn't really apply to me, but God was probably speaking somewhere in the message this morning, somewhere in the morning of putting his finger on something that he is doing or wants to do. So in that, I just want to invite you this morning, ministry teams on both sides, they just love to pray for you this morning. Pray for more of Jesus. Pray for an, just the knowledge of God's calling in your life. Maybe to pray for breakthrough because you don't feel worthy or capable. Maybe you use morning to come and just say, would you pray a breaking off of the chains and the lies of the enemy that have caused me to believe lies about myself? Let's pray this morning. Let's worship this morning. If you don't know, these are our offering baskets. This is where we do our offering. We also have a little metal box there and a giving kiosk and an iPad outside. If you've come this morning with a plan to worship God through offering, then that's how you do it. If you come this morning, you want to take communion, available every Sunday to celebrate Jesus' unbelievable, divine love for us, of coming and dying and being resurrected. It's the good news, the gospel of Jesus. So this morning, let's respond. And then I can't wait to go outside and see every single one of you line up the table and talk to Jerry. It's going to be great when I walk out there. No, seriously, say, God, how about this? Go connect. Go learn. Go listen. All right, we love you guys. You be blessed. Have a great week. You respond as the Lord.